Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and Happy New Year to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. discuss the June 1982 issue of the Uncanny X-Men, number 158, which is on sale March 9th of 1982, and this one is titled, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Skirkle. <gasps> Man, that Skirkle guy just won't go away. Uh, A.K.A. The Life That I, That Late, oh, this is, The Life That Late I Led. Too many L's, that's like a tongue twister. That's a very difficult to say title. I mean, they could have just called it The Life I Led. What's with this that late? Why has Chris Claremont got to go so English? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, but on the cover of this one, you've got Storm, who is zapping Rogue, who is punching the crap out of Wolverine. True that. What kind of pants are those that she's wearing? Well, she's got the whole, like, Civil War era yeah, uh, army kind of costume i was trying to figure out like those pants are from something they've got like i don't even know how to explain them but they're, they're kind of baggy in the hip area but then they slender up towards the the thigh and, and down below so i don't know if that's a civil war thing or if that's i mean it's certainly a military thing i think it's a comment on her uh connection to the south oh that makes sense so you think maybe this was a like a confederate uniform yeah, I've, and that's that's my guess is uh, that they're they're trying to you know make that that loose connection. It's a, it's early rogue costume. They're still figuring stuff out. It's a cool idea. No, no, I just she wears it in the uh, the issue too. So I just I was like, what is this? But we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, we open this guy up. Oh, and I guess there's really nothing much else to say to that. But I mean, the cover's actually it's just kind of boring. Yeah, it's it's your it's your uh, you know standard cover. It's pretty much you described it. Storm <laughs> blast rogue who punches Wolverine. Done. Yep. Uh, this one's written by Chris Claremont, uh, Dave Cockrum, and Bob Wiasek are the artists. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> Welcome to 2015, everybody. Uh, Joe Rosen is the letterer, Glennis Ween is the colorist, Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And we find ourselves back on Magneto's Bermuda Triangle floating island thingamajobber. Yes, where we last saw the X-Men shoot away, leaving Carol Danvers, Moira McTaggart, presumably Peter Corbo. Was anybody else there? I think should happen to Banshee. Uh, he's probably on Muir Island with Moira. Although, wait, my, Moira's here. I have no yeah, idea. Why isn't Banshee here? <laughs> I have no idea. He's looking after, uh, I don't know what he's doing. Him and Jamie Madrox okay. are keeping the fort down on Muir Island. Oh, yeah, where's Jamie Madrax? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe they're back at uh, Mirror Island. I mean, he just reconnected with Siren, so maybe maybe he's taken her to their old Irish home. Oh, very well could be. And uh, Lee Forrester presumably is skulking around somewhere, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. We won't see much of her lately, though. No, we won't see her in this issue either, but I think it's reasonable to assume that she's uh, looking for treasure. (laughs) Scott's treasure. Scott's treasures. Scott's booty. There is some training going on in the foyer, except that the training is not occurring by the X-Men. It's happening by three of the Starjammers who are testing their abilities against Carol Danvers, who is faring quite well. Oh, but you're missing out, uh, you're missing Curie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so four star jammers Cur- jamming across the universe even. Is it, but he, since he's Chode's pet, does that actually make him a star jammer? He's not just his pet, he's his pet companion. <laughs> so, yeah, they're testing their abilities. The star jammers, uh, think it's Chode, Raza, and Hepzibah. And this is quite a throw by Carol Danvers. Uh, Raza is just like completely splayed out <laughs> in the mid air. He, he, he does not know how to take a fall. As uh, uh, Carol flips him over her back, uh, the the they thought that this was going to be a pretty easy um, outing, but Carol Danvers is proving much harder to defeat than they had initially thought. And monitoring the goings on is Peter Corbo. She still got the chops. Oh yeah. And that's what uh, Peter Gorpo was saying. He's like, wow, even though Carol doesn't have any powers, she's her bio-readings are off the charts. It's, her performance is incredible. She's like a superhuman. Kind of. In the next panel, as Chode comes up to Carol Danvers to like, uh, presumably end it, Carol's hair lands in such a way that it looks like he has a blonde beard. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I have this issue and... and I always thought that Chode's, one of Chode's powers was to, like, uh, emulate. I, I, I literally thought that that hair was connected to Chode's face in the you comic. did not think that was one of his powers. Come on. Hey, I, I've had this issue since I was, like, 10 or 12 years old. And it just, you know, things happen in the Marvel Universe randomly. And I was like, well, maybe one of his powers is to, like, make fun of girls. Because he's kind of like, playtime is over, little beauty. And so, I'm like, maybe he was making himself into a little beauty in a preparation for this attack. Wow, you put a lot of thought into this panel. <laughs> had a very active imagination growing up. But nope, it's just Carol's hair wisping about and it just happens to look like Chode's beard. Anyways, uh, Chode, uh, is, uh, he misses as he goes for a diving lunge at Carol. Epsipa and Raza go in um, and eventually they all What happened to her. his beard in the next panel? Well, see, that's part of his powers. He just absorbed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> And uh, so they've now tackled Carol, and they're they're like, do you give up? And she says, do I have a choice? And Sari in this panel appears to be saying, hiya, toots. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, we should mention that Scurry has his little fancy symbol language, but definitely looks like hiya, toots. Maybe that's what it's, I'm betting that's what that is actually supposed to be. A little gag there by the letterer. Mean- Seems for a fun, fun little gag. Meanwhile, uh, Peter is uh, relaxing with his daughter. They're watching War of the Worlds. Kitty's is- daughter. What are you talking I mean, about? His sister. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and Kitty is reflecting on everything that's happened, and that Peter almost died, and that she was sad, and then she saw Peter, and she was happy, and that made her sadder or something. Basically, it's just a, a she's growing up. Yeah, she's wrestling with her feelings, and again, she's wearing a bikini for... I don't know, do, do, do girls just wear bikinis in their teens a lot? In the Marvel universe? Or is this universe? a reflection of the 80s? 
uh, in the Marvel Universe they do, but uh, I don't know. Whenever she's like anywhere, if she's at the mansion or if she's on this island or anywhere near water where it is presumable that she might swim, (laughs) she's wearing a bikini. At least this one's more of a, it's not like a bikini. I mean, it's a bikini, right? It's a two-piece swimming suit, but it's uh, like, it's not a, um, they're not like bikini briefs. They're, they're like shorts and her top is more of like a, like a halter top thing. So it's like, hey, she's a kid. Let's not try to make her sexy. Let's just make her a kid. So Why not not put her in a bikini all the time? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose there's that. It's just an interesting choice, and I wonder what the uh, the reasoning behind it is. I think artists just like to draw girls in bikinis. That's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as Kitty wrestles with the idea of her growing up, uh, Raza is like, so what's going on there with our sparring partner, Scholar Corbo? Yeah, Peter, the suspense is murdered. What's the verdict? So extraordinary. Years ago, when you were transformed into Ms. Marvel, your genetic structure was irrevocably altered. In addition to gaining your superpowers, you were evolved into a perfect physical specimen of humanity. But that's not what you wanted to know. What you did want to know is this. You may have been stripped of your powers, but the basic genetic modifications remained intact. But I needed to say that first half for new readers. Yeah. So, what does this mean? Does, it doesn't mean she has superpowers, but it means that she has uh, a very susceptible base for superpowers. She's the female Captain America. Right now, you think so? Essentially, yeah. She's a, she's a what, what is he, a super soldier? She's a super soldier. Okay, fair enough. That's what I'm getting. Her, sure. her, it's, it's her genetics are still make her better or stronger or faster than the average human. Okay. Yeah. So Chode's not surprised. He's like, that explains your superb performance. You're far superior to any ordinary human. But she doesn't feel superior. She's still smarting over the loss of her powers and specifically the way she lost them. When you lose no. something, someone that fundamental lasts anyway hurts. I just wanted to do that because Moira's here and we get to do that terrible accent. <laughs> She's back for a couple of pages. <laughs> so she's out here looking after the professor. Um, apparently, uh, everything was being monitored on Carol's workout uh, over the biotelemetry, but they'll go over that this evening. Not right now. There's no time right now, Adam. Why does everybody have to c- carry crates? <laughs> they, well, just, they just did a workout. I don't. I wouldn't want to lift crates after a workout. Uh, you know, it's like Dave Cockrum just needed to draw something. <laughs> I'll give them some crates. So Nightcrawler teleports in and beckons for Moira to come by because Lilandra would like to see her. Thank you, Nightcrawler. I'll be in directly. So they all adjourn into the professor's big, very large bedroom. Why does he get such a big bed? (laughs) He's just one guy. It actually makes it difficult to nurse him because (laughs) he's so far away. Moira has to bend over. She's got to lean in like three feet in order to give him uh, care. It's terrible. Well, they've been working on, uh, I guess, well, Lilandra's been working with, um, what's her face, uh, Oracle, to meditate all day long uh, to the right point in which she would be able to use a mind link or something with the professor to see what's going on. So now is that time. So I guess Moira's going to... Oracle's going to go into the professor's brain and... uh, kind of do some astral communicating and, and hopefully figure out what's happening. Yep. 
So she does. She levitates herself. She reaches out with her mind. And uh, in a crazy, crazy panel, we see half the professor's head and half of Skirkle's head. Is it safe to say at this point that it's definitely a brood? I mean, we, we pretty much recognize that by now, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the panels just keep getting larger and larger each issue. This issue, this issue, this is definitely half of a brood head. And the panel is reminiscent of the Incredible Hulk. Remember that scene where David Banner kind of takes a step in and then half the screen goes to the Hulk and the Hulk screams? <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, the strain of seeing... I don't know what's going on here, but there's some rebuffing going on. So Oracle, yeah, she she get, she gets in there. She uh, she's impressed by how uh, well guarded his head is because he's a super psychic, and uh, but she discovers an entity that the professor's psychic self is fighting with, and that entity also discovers her. And it, it I guess what happens is the, the professor takes over the professor's uh, self, I suppose, takes over Oracle's self and speaks through her to reveal that the professor is attempting to kill himself. Mm. That's that's kind of what I gathered, more or less. I, yeah. It's a little confusing because Oracle says, kill, to live, must kill, I. And it's clear that she's getting that message from the professor, Although one could assume that it's maybe the brood inside that's saying, kill, I must kill. But then Moira comes in on the next panel and says, Suicide, Charles. I'd not have believed something possible. Are things, such, are things so hopeless? Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the brood saying, kill, to live, must kill, I. And Moira's thinking that that's Charles. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it is confusing because you could read that both ways. But Wolverine, use your claws to sever the energy link between them. Hurry, man, or it'll be too late. And how am I supposed? To, the bed's too big. What? What am I supposed to flame and do? Do you see how short I am? No way can I make it over there. Storm realizes that gives him a gust of wind, and propels him towards the energy uh, chain or whatever, and he cuts it. Seriously, I don't understand why Wolverine says, "How am I supposed to?" Or, I don't know, it's it's confusing. Why does, I, I don't understand why, no, what I really don't understand is why Storm feels the need to shoot him over the bed with wind. I don't Couldn't Wolverine just as easily walk there? He could have jumped up on the bed, hopped over, and, well, I mean, you have to, in order to believe that part, you also need to believe the fact that his adamantium claws can sever the psychic rapport between oracle and the professor which i think well, is that, I, that i buy because morris says it so morris <laughs> right so it must be true the best part of this though is that uh, the sound effect it makes is blammo blammo <laughs> oh so in the next panel everybody's kind of knocked over disheveled nightcrawler's got a he's got a fire extinguisher out and he's extinguishing whatever fire occurred from this event yeah how did a fire occur why are the computers burning i don't know Aurora, the computers are burning. I have an extinguisher on this one. Yeah, the psychic uh, emanations were 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 hot. I guess. But why <laughs> isn't uh, Lelandra's cape on fire then? I don't know. Uh, fire impregnable cape. Eh. <laughs> Anyways, Lelandra goes and sits next to the professor, and she realizes that there's no change, mm. and she's sad. Oracle wakes up and says that she has never interfaced with the minds of such depth and complexity 
His mental defenses are phenomenal. He has withdrawn deep within himself, and he is at war with himself. I have done my best, but no outside force can aid him. Recovery is completely up to him. Well, as uh, Nightcrawler continues to put the flames out, uh, Kitty phases in and says, you got it. Uh, you got to check out what's on TV. They're talking about the X-Men. Or, wait. You got to check out what's on TV. They're talking about the X-Men. And they are. They're, uh, they're airing, they're recapping the episode of Days of Future Past. I, I think one thing we, we did miss, uh, and, and it's important, uh, well, kind of important anyways, Early on in one of the uh, dialogue or the narration boxes, they introduced the X-Men as the outlaw hero team, the X-Men. So in the last couple of issues, they've really been trying to amp up this outlaw piece. Hmm. So this is this is now uh, the culmination of it with uh, Senator Robert Kelly on TV saying, these mutants are, uh, are a menace. The host of the show is trying to say, are they good? Are they bad? We don't know. We need to learn more about them. And Robert Kelly's like, no way. They're not heroes. They're horrible. Do the facts support such a contention, Senator? In each case, the X-Men fought recognized criminals. And in Washington, they saved you from certain assassination. Deal with that. In your face. Uh, well, yeah. Robert Kelly says, no, it doesn't matter. Who are these guys? They're taking the law into their own hands. It's not right. They're mutants. We don't know anything about their powers, and we don't know what the mutant agenda is. And uh, this is this is an extraordinary ca- a case that transcends morality, and national security may be at stake. As individuals, as a group, as a species, the mutants must be investigated. They prove to be a threat to the nation and, by extension, the world. Then, regrettable as it may sound. They must be dealt with. What's his name? Cheever. What's his name? Someone's name is Cheever? The host. Oh. uh, It doesn't matter. John. John Cheever. Okay. (laughs) He says, uh, you seem to be saying that mutants are dangerous simply because they exist. That's an odd position for an avowed civil libertarian like yourself. So there you have it, folks. Senator Robert Kelly is a libertarian. Not that that means anything, but I just never knew that he was associated with any sort of a political, I don't know, party. Except when it comes to mutants. Well, he's just against them. And if there's a party for that, Robert Kelly's definitely there. He's a fascist. (laughs) (laughs) The X-Men are watching this and they are horrified. No, says says nobody. (laughs) Kitty's like, my folks think he's a decent man. Why does he hate us? The nature of the beast, kiddo. To fear that which is different. Like us, we're different. We're the X-Men. I'm Wolverine. (laughs) Best aim at what I do. Snicked. I got claws. Moira chimes in and says, this is trouble. When he formed the X-Men, Charles worked with the government. And I want to bring this all the way back to way back to one of those early, early episodes where I said Fred Duncan comes back in the future. Well, I was kind of right, kind of wrong. He doesn't get mentioned in this issue, in this issue at all, uh, but I believe that this is the connection that they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, and, and, and we know that like, you know, the, there were, there were several issues in like the first 10 issues of X-Men where 
right. the professor was trading information with the government. Right. And I said, missions. I just want to go on the record. And I said, I said back then, I said, we're going to come to an issue in the future where this plays a big part. And, and this issue is that. There you go. For all of you with really good memories. <laughs> yes. Go back, figure out what issue that was. Oh. Let us know. Or what episode that was. Let us know. And then we can brag about it some more on the next episode. And I think the reason that uh, Fred Duncan isn't in this uh, issue is because way back when, I think Juggernaut killed him, right? He smashed his head into the ceiling. Well, he killed Amos Amos Duncan and Fred Duncan lived. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyways, uh, there are computer files in the original team and probably on you lot too. We've been lucky and safe so far, but that won't last. These files had better be destroyed. So there you go. Boom. What should we do? No problem. We simply design an open-ended virus program to erase any and all references to the X-Men and plug it into a central federal data bank. That's easy. <laughs> Can you do that, kitten? Well, it's not easy. Kitty says... To which I say, shut up, Kitty Pride. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, this is a solid... None of that makes, that, none of that makes any sense. No, it makes solid sense because of the very next thing she says, and that is... The Star Jammers can. I'm just, the, an open-ended virus program? Sure. What does that even mean? Well, Why not. does it need to be open-ended? <laughs> well, so and how are you going to delete all references to the X-Men? With Shi'ar technology. And then plug it into a central federal data bank? None of this is logical. There's no internet back in 1983, Adam. Ugh. Arguably, there's, 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 well, there's DARPAnet. But that's all interconnected to the federal... Uh, defar- Department of the uh, Department of Defense Computer. So this this this, this makes a little sense. Could work. So so maybe Chris Carolyn's writing this issue, and you know he hasn't written the Star Jammers part, and he gets to this part, and he's like, well, how are we going to get them to be able to do this? Maybe I'll bring in the Star Jammers, and then he goes back and rewrites the issue and saves this one for later. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, meanwhile, in uh. uh New Mexico? 2,000 miles westward in the starkly beautiful Rio Diablo mountain range. Yeah. I guess they've uh, lived here since those mid-X-Men issues, right? Isn't this where they were living? They fought the Hulk. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, well, who? It's it's Polaris and Havoc, and they're, they're this is where they live. Uh, they're not married. They're just dating, but uh, looks like Havoc's cooking. I can't even tell you if they're in college anymore. Uh, probably not. I mean, everybody else is out of college. Yeah. I think. I don't know. So so Havoc's cooking some dinner. He's got a apron on that says chef. Uh we don't know what we don't know what Lorna is doing, but whatever. She's there. She's setting the table. I think she's got some uh ah. plates in her hands. Havoc burns his tongue. Uh Lorna swoops in to kiss it, and that's when a knock comes at the door and Alex is like, Oh, Murphy's law never fails just when things get interesting. I got a question for you. He says burn the tongue. The chili is superb hot. Pour me a glass of ice, will you? And she says, I got a better idea, and shoves her tongue into his mouth. Does that work? <laughs> uh, no, but are you going to turn that away? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, I mean, is it helpful? I mean, or does it, if it causes more pain, I would probably turn it away. <laughs> no, ow. <laughs> I just said I pulled my tongue. Stop touching it with your tongue. That's gross and it hurts. It's out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my tongue's bleeding. 
Alright, so anyways, at the door, it's Cyclops, and Havoc's like, Oh my gosh, I have to get another t- place setting out. We're having dinner for three. He doesn't really say that. I just that, burnt my tongue. I didn't make enough chili for you on thigh. <laughs> it's really hot. Uh, Cyclops is like, Well, I'm not alone, buddy. I want you to meet our father. I love this shot of Christopher Summers. He's like, Hey! <laughs> How's it going? Hey, guys. I'm Christopher Summers. <laughs> and Havoc is shocked. <gasps> oh, my God. Reactions are many and varied and not all of them ple- pleasant. Bewilderment and disbelief vying with elation in Alex as he struggled, as Scott did a week ago, to assimilate this stunning revolution. A four-way conversation reunion begins over dinner, and it's still going on without let up late that evening. Or late the following day. Wow. A four-way, huh? <laughs> yeah. Three of those dudes are related. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I know how we can make this time a lot sexier, <laughs> says either Corsair or Cyclops. Probably Corsair. <laughs> He's got that mustache. You don't grow this mustache without having a couple of foursomes with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> that creepy look on his face as he walks in. Ah, uh, You know what's going to happen next? Because I do. I'm a man with an agenda. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back at the Pentagon, or actually over at the Pentagon, Wolverine, who's dressed in his Canadian uniform of some kind, Storm, who's dressed up as their aide, and Carol Danvers, who is dressed up as a colonel, show up in a car uh, and go into the Pentagon. Nightcrawler says, Yavol. Oh, I didn't know that's how you spelt that. Yes. Yeah, Anyways. Here, my food, and good luck. Uh, did you point out that Wolverine is wearing his dress blues, his Canadian dress blues? I did. What I didn't point out is as they go in through security, uh, Wolverine sets off the metal detectors, and uh, Storm's like, oh, God, no. Which is like, <laughs> come on, really? You've gone to all this trouble, and you think Wolverine's just going to start slashing people up because the metal detectors went off? You're on to me. I'm going to kill you, futzers. <laughs> I'm going to kill this whole place. No, I mean, there's a plan here. Wolverine's like, oh, let me explain this. He whips out some card that shows that he uh, had a uh, some metal prosthetics put in after the war, whatever war he's talking about. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, we'll carry on, sir. So he does. Wolverine points out the fruit salad on Carol's uh, uniform, which I guess is what they call those all those little dots, yeah, all those little s- colored squares. That's kind of cool. Apparently, she was um, she was temporarily upgraded from a major to a colonel on missions, uh, and so that clout has come in useful. So I guess once you're a colonel, you're always a colonel. So, but you'd still think that you would need like if you're not active. You would need, like, an invitation or to be on, like, a list or something to enter into the uh, Pentagon, don't you think? Um, I don't know. No, I think you just need a fancy uniform, clearly. <laughs> oh, okay. And to be a representative, a non-retired representative of the Army or Navy or military. So as they're walking down uh, the halls, Carol's given kind of a history lesson on the Pentagon. Uh, it was a hospital in World War II, and that's why the corridors are so wide to accommodate double and triple parked gurneys because of its size it's a confusing lane people are always getting lost and some naturally are rumored never to be seen again (laughs) that's pretty cool that they add that little history amount in there like i didn't know that no either did i but then 
if the corridors are so wide, then how does Carol bump into one per- mm-hmm. one person in the hall? <laughs> well, the other before that happens, uh, Logan is like, "Think that'll happen to us, Colonel?" In the think we'll never be seen again. So is he referring to like we might actually literally get lost and never be seen again, or is this kind of an allusion to like, "Hey, we're going to upload this virus and we'll never be seen again"? Because it seems like oh. a dumb line. I think they were. I thought they were just joking around, but oh, I, I suppose it, it could be some sort of clever allusion to that. Hmm. Yeah, it's more it's deeper than I went. <laughs> okay, well, as wide as these halls are, you are absolutely correct, Adam. Carol Danvers bumps right into Rogue, and he, she just keeps right on talking. She's like, "Anything's possible." Oh, I beg your pardon. My fault, Colonel. I should have looked. You, Danvers. Rogue. That single word is thick with agony and hatred. As the same thoughts rip like wildfire f- fire through the minds of both women. How come Carol Danvers all of a sudden sounds like Rogue? I mean, uh, Wolverine. Because she's angry. Oh. Wouldn't it be like, Rogue! <laughs> <laughs> she's angry in a manly sort of way. I don't know. So we get a flashback uh, to Avengers Annual number 10, in which the first panel is uh, Rogue staking out her home as Carol returns as Ms. Marvel. And then I think later on on the bridge when she's changed into her plain clothes. Um, either way, well, maybe it's at her house. I don't quite remember how that went. But at least in this issue, it does go into something went wrong. Carol fought too long, too fiercely. And instead of temporarily stealing Carol's abilities and memories, Rogue's transfer became permanent. I felt like they, in Avengers number 10, they didn't really cover that as well as they could have. So this fixes well, it for me. Okay. <laughs> It was a physical and psychic trauma that scarred them both. Get away from me! She slaps Carol. Rogue is like, How are you not dead? That blow should have smashed you to a pulp. She just tried to kill Carol Dammers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well this is because of the enhanced physiology, so... Uh, it's a good thing we had that uh, opener early on in the issue. Mm. Chris Claremont thinking with his with his writer brain. <laughs> and Wolverine jumps in and attacks. Bro. You got a lot to answer for Red. I suggest you stay real cool, cool. And if you're lucky, you won't get hurt. Except he jumps, her. He, he jumps on her, but Rogue is able to, I guess, twist her body around in a 180 degree uh, arc and then throw him up onto the ceiling. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but I really like this wham panel. Oh, I do too. It's very good. It's a very good drawing of Rogue. It just shows her small, frail body, uh, but just powerfully throwing Wolverine up against the roof. I like it. I do too. Wolverine lands in a very scary-looking pose. He kind of looks like a jack-o'-lantern here. His face is all in shadows. Nice try, but my bones are laced with adamantium. They're virtually unbreakable. I got claws, too. But instead, I'm going to punch you in the face. Let me tell you uh, more about myself, as long as I'm giving you a brief history. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. So this is the thing I always wondered about Rogue. Um, so wait, if, she, if he punches her in the face, right. does she get some of his powers then and there? So I think, and this is just, we'll just have to watch how this character plays out, but I think that... The contact of skin has to be like three seconds delayed because otherwise this punch, which is his bare knuckles across her bare face, would have resulted in a transfer of, I guess, some power. Maybe it does result in some powers, but it's just not enough for anybody to really notice because there's other issues. There's other issues where she gets slapped or 
whatever and there's no power transfer but anyways yeah you just have to pay attention she uh grabs wolverine by his head and gives him a big old kiss but i see no harm in having a little fun in the process do you wolverine honey i didn't think so no more rogue says storm as she blasts her in the back destroying her nifty little dress Mm -hmm. cover from the comic or from the cover yeah costume from the cover that was a warning that was a that was a warning shot i suggest you take the hint and depart while you are still able to nobody's like why are you in the pentagon (laughs) this is weird (laughs) you shouldn't be you're a villain you're part of the brotherhood of evil mutants not i was just filling out some paperwork filling out a job application i'm gonna get me a job I was going to go straight until I bumped into you. Carol Danvers grabs a gun off of one of the MPs and starts firing at Rogue, but the bullets bounce off, and Carol's like, oh yeah, that's right. I used to be able to do that. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) We get our our first fire away, sugar. It's not quite sugar yet, but Ah. but it's it's sugar. Yeah. And Storm makes a little ice. She's like, there's too many people here, so she makes an ice column and blows Rogue away. Storm says, we cannot fight here. I have no room to maneuver in these, as explained earlier, wide hallways. Mm. She should have room to maneuver. Yeah, I suppose. Well, If you're going to point have a fight in the Pentagon where you do all these things, you don't point out that the Pentagon has wide corridors. <laughs> I know you hate... So she... she she says that she knows that she hates uh, uh, Rogue, and with good reason, but we can't. We came here for a purpose. The future of the X-Men rests in your hands, my friend. Do not fail us. So she's worried that Carol is going to quit the X-Men mission and go out for blood. Vengeance. But she doesn't. Um, well, not yet. We don't know. There's plenty of issue left. Well, yeah. Wolverine and, and Storm go after Rogue, who has been blown away on the... the the large ice slick that Storm has left down the hallway, and uh, Carol Danvers goes in the other direction. A dark-haired woman who, well, we find out right away. It's Raven Darkholm, who is also oh, Mystique. Is the Baroness? I thought it was the Baroness. <laughs> yeah, it does look like the Baroness, only not so round glasses. That's the differentiator there. She sees Carol Danvers, and she's like, ah, neither she nor anyone else connects Raven Darkholm, civil serpent, civil servant, deputy director of the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, with Mystique. That ignorance will soon uh, prove fatal. Now, here's my question. Uh, I don't work for the federal government, but I work for state government, and we have deputy directors who work many, many years to become deputy directors, um, putting in their time and building up their resumes and proving to superiors that they can actually pull off whatever job it is. So what's going on here? Well, I would say that she just replaced somebody who did all that work, but if she's calling herself Raven Darkholm, that would lead me to believe that she took over somebody named like Betsy Finalgo and... It was like, I decided to change my name today for no apparent reason. Okay. And she legally had her name changed. Hmm. Or either either that or Raven went through the school. Right. I mean, this or, is... Or the training program or whatever, and years of uh, management. Whoops. This is... I mean, that's a hell of a uh, of a cover, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to put yourself through, through all of that to get to this position, but... 
Uh, I guess she's committed. Well, also, she has infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. on a number of occasions. Yeah, but she's so done. perhaps she created uh, oh. this, this person at this level. Ah, okay, that I can see. That makes more sense. Okay, I'll buy that. Anyways, uh, so Storm is carrying Wolverine, and I don't, I mean, maybe she's using some wind to assist, because his bones, as we know in this issue, are laced with adamantium. So are they going after Rogue with, uh, or is she just trying to get away? Uh, I don't know. But how is Storm carrying Wolverine? Isn't he like 500 pounds? Oh, Storm has wind power, so she's (laughs) probably not actually carrying him physically. She's just moving him around with wind. Fine. Well, behind the two, Rogue... Also, she works out. Good point. Rogue burst through the wall. Surprised, y'all. I'm really getting to like Wolverine's senses, uh, enhanced senses. They're pretty nifty once y'all get the hang of them. Tracking y'all down became a piece of cake. Storm calls for uh, Nightcrawler. They have some, we didn't point this out, but they've got like some two-way radios. Yeah, we pointed out they have transceivers in Uh, case there's problems. My question, though, is, I mean, they must be in an area that has a window to the parking lot because Nightcrawler teleports right in. Yeah, (laughs) I noticed that, too. He doesn't even bamf in. He just, like, boom, he's there. He just appears. Maybe Carol got him some, you know, uh, really good blueprints. Ah, that could be. But then doesn't he run the risk of teleporting into a person? Yeah, but it's a risk he has to take. Sure, sure. So he teleports in and he flips a rogue over and we get our we get our first sugar. He can't save you, sugar. Wanna bet? And that's when he flips her over. And then she starts talking like Wolverine, which is a nice touch. Oh, wait, wait. He says, Where is Mystique, Liebling? Have we not done Liebling before? Liebling. Hmm. Which means favorite. Well right. But the uh read the, the, oh. the second one. Darling. Yeah. What? Darling? Yeah, I'm ah. assuming it means it's darling. Got it. Yep. Darling. <laughs> yes, yes, darling. Way <laughs> to go, Google. It has many meanings, I guess. Uh, she and I have much to talk about, child, before things get rough. So she, he's referring to the little conversation that they had back in, what was it, X-Men 142, 141? Yeah. Bub. I wouldn't worry about such questions if I were you. I, I, it's going to be curious to see how long Nightcrawler is going to keep up this uh, mentioning of Mystique every time the Brotherhood shows up. <laughs> and at one point, he's going to stop doing that. Well, at some point, he just realizes, like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere, so I'm just going to stop <laughs> asking. It's not worth it anymore. I think I'll go date my sister some more. <laughs> so Stor- Rogue goes... Flying towards Nightcrawler, uh, making a punching motion, and he teleports out of the way. This time with a bam. He looks like Frogger in this next panel. I can just hear him doing the like dream, 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 the the, the Nintendo sound effect. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to do better than that to hit me. I can teleport. Wolverine comes. Whoa. Says says Wolverine. He's coming too, but he's able to pick himself up pretty quickly, and he whirls. His fists and punches. Here's a question for you. Um, Wolverine says uh, he feels so flame and weak, but getting stronger every second. The effect of Rogue's power must be temporary. 
the abilities she stole from me are coming back. So when she steals their powers, do they not have their powers anymore? So I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Uh, but what happens... That, that, that dialogue points to that. Well, what happens, in, in from what I've seen, is uh, whenever she steals somebody's powers, they fall unconscious, basically for the duration of the time that she's got their powers, except for Carol Danvers. Right. So I guess theoretically, if Wolverine... Track of that too, because technically if she steals Wolverine's powers, and we don't know this yet, but he'll probably die. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. Well, no, we don't. We, we don't know that yet. Yeah. So it, so it doesn't exist. He won't die because clearly what just happened was his powers were stolen and he was unconscious and now he's conscious and he didn't die. So I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, 50 issues ago, he was 18. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and so he winds up and punches the crap out of Rogue and she goes flying into like some army guy's planning room. Which I like to think is the Doctor Strange love room. <laughs> yeah. The big old map room. The war room, I guess it was called. It does kind of look like it, except there's only two guys in there and a, and a girl next to a typewriter. I, I'm sure on the right side of the panel that we can't see, there's like a whole bunch of other dudes. <laughs> it could be. And a little old like, doctor in a wheelchair. <laughs> Mine Fuhrer, I can walk! So Carol is still nosing around. She's using her security clearance to get her inside of some doors. And uh, Raven Darkholm is like, What's going on? What's going on? Why is she out here with the X-Men? I better turn into Nick Fury. <laughs> so this is where I get uh, your question where they were coming into the, the, uh, the Pentagon. Would they be allowed in? Now... This is where I start to think, would Carol Danvers be allowed into the super secret secret room that, that where no, apparently nobody works? <laughs> well, retinal scan, voice print, and ident card check confirmed. Colonel admittance to CISO vault authorized. It's nice to see whatever else I've lost, I'm still as good a spy as ever. What? <laughs> <laughs> So I guess that's all you need to get into the uh, top-secret central database room. Yeah. Just former colonel credentials <laughs> and good spying abilities. Meanwhile, uh, Rogue and Storm are now fighting, and Storm gra or Rogue grabs Storm's hands and starts absorbing her powers. But then she loses control. Wait, how does, how does Mystique get in? You see her putting in a card... But if they need to do a retinal scan, she changes into Nick Fury, and she has she's one of her eyes is now covered. Well, they have special eye, eye retinal scanners specifically for Nick Fury. But you think she has Nick Fury's card, and she's not using uh, Raven Darkholm's card? It's a good question. It's a good point. I have no idea. Man, I am just being so nitpicky. <laughs> well, no, it's warranted. Because uh, if if she's able, I mean, this is not the first time she's impersonated Nick Fury, too. If I was Nick, I'd be pissed. <laughs> so, yep. So Rogue starts absorbing uh, Storm's powers, but she loses control. Yeah, she can't manage. As we learned before with Emma Frost, Storm's powers are difficult to control. And, uh, and Nightcrawler's Rogue... like, ah, the weather's exploding out of control. Hee <laughs> <laughs> It's destroying a lot of the Pentagon. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, this is a real knee slapper. I sure hope they don't get footage of this to put on the news. <laughs> that would not be good for our case at all. 
<laughs> well, so yeah, it's a, like a big miasma of uh, weather and uh, storm, nightcrawler, and wolverine. And I guess storm's kind of coming back too, because I guess rogue didn't touch her for very long. And meanwhile, in the CISO, uh, Carol's like, "Who, Fury? Why are you here? And why do you have a gun?" Fury shoots her. Blam! To kill you, of course. That was almost too quick. Too easy, Carol. I somehow expected better of you. Yeah, shoots her right in the head. Yep. There's blood and everything. Rogue comes flying towards uh, Storm, who is now back on her feet, and Wolverine. And uh, Storm uses her cape to wrap her up. Wolverine punches her in the face. Now he's got his gloves on, so that's cool. He must have brought his costume along. How did he change into that? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I guess we've just accepted it that it's like, yeah, of course he had his costume with him the whole time. It's a few pages back. Yeah, he just he just magically changes. <laughs> Weird. It's like he's he's un like he changes while he's unconscious. Because <laughs> like he's unconscious in his his uh, dress blues, and then in the next panel he's gaining regaining consciousness and he's in his suit. So Storm changed his outfit for him. <laughs> that was very nice of her. Uh, this Wolverine has Rogue around the neck, but Rogue's like, I- I'm really strong. So she punches her way out. Nick Fury, Mystique, walks up to Carol and is like, well, I've seen too many movies where you walk away and the person gets up and lives. So I'm going to walk closer to you and shoot you. <laughs> she apparently hasn't seen enough movies because Carol Danvers is alive. Thank heaven for my extraordinary reflexes. I dodged quickly enough t- so that the bullet only grazed me. My head hurts like blazes, but I'm alive! She can dodge bullets. Obviously, this isn't Nick Fury, but who? I don't believe it. It's Storm. Yeah. So that momentary surprise was able... Um, well, it actually didn't do anything. Why did she turn... Oh, it was to, it, to give uh, Mystique just a, a momentary uh, off-balance for Carol Danvers to kick her, but it doesn't really matter. Carol grabs her around the neck, drops her unconscious, and that's when... She's like, who is this? And I guess she doesn't know that Mystique is a shape changer because when she turns into Mystique, she's like, oh, Mystique. Huh. Well, she has that memory problem, so she forgot a lot of the stuff that she knew before. Yeah, good point. But she, she refers to, well, she doesn't say it here, but she says eventually that she knows Mystique hates her, but she doesn't remember why. And she isn't like, oh, my God, Nick Fury is Mystique. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be interesting. <laughs> Um, anyways, so in the middle of the, um, corridor of the Pentagon, Storm is, uh, whirling some wind around Rogue, the walls are collapsed, there's some people looking in on them, and Storm's like, well, enough of this, she makes up a tornado and whips Rogue out. Yeah, we we can't defeat her, but, you know, we'll just send her away, which is a good plan. Sure, why not? Although, doesn't, doesn't Rogue fly? Yeah, yeah. Should she just come back? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe she's so disoriented she doesn't know which way to go. Okay. Well, they they scoot out of there pretty quickly, so it's it's okay. They decide to hightail it. So they're wondering about uh, Carol. She says, gonna, she says they're gonna flee, and Wolverine doesn't like go flee. I'm Wolverine. Wolverine doesn't flee. No, but he is worried about Carol and the mission. So we turn our attention to Carol, who has the MPs now. And uh, Mystique is being carted away. She had had thoughts of shooting Mystique, but she decided she's just not that ruthless. 
And she's like, the irony is, I can't even remember why she hates me so. For that story, I see future issues of Marvel Fanfare. We'll have to keep our eyes open for that. Haven't we read those already? Well, Marvel Fanfare is still going. Oh. But didn't we read the issues where Mystique was, like, all up on Carol's grill? No, that was, like, something from the 90s. Oh. And that, and those were um, those were old, unpublished uh, Miss Marvel issues. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, she punches up some stuff in the computer, and the first thing she instinctively does is pull up her own records. She's like, huh, weird. Which she decides to delete because she's forging a new identity. I get that. But doesn't that mean she can no longer get into the room? She can't get out of the room now. <laughs> she's going to try to leave the Pentagon. They're going to be like, who are you? You're All not in the computer. Cool stuff she could do, she can no longer do. Well, so she walks outside and she's like, oh man, the X-Men are going to be blamed for this. That sucks. And Nightcrawler pulls up. Carol, over here. They get in. What about the mission? Carol's like, you've been erased. Wunderbar. My sentiments exactly. And we get a nice kind of yellow ghosted image of Ms. Marvel. So she's saying goodbye to the past and welcoming in a new life. Yes. The next issue title says everything. <laughs> Dracula. Or Dracula. I am. I, I hate the next issue. <laughs> should we skip it? <laughs> we should, we we really should. <laughs> it's a filler. It has nothing to do with any sort of continuity. We should just skip it. We should just go right to 160. Can we also skip 1994 to 2004? <laughs> as long as we're skipping things. Sure, why not? <laughs> no, just because we're completionists, we will do the awful, awful issue 159. I suppose since there was an X-Men issue featuring Dracula... It's only fitting that there's an X-Men issue featuring, wait, Frankenstein. Yeah, remember? There was an issue featuring Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, there was. There'd be an issue featuring Dracula. Hopefully it's a space mutant, uh, just like Frankenstein was. Did you read the letters pages for this one? Um, I did, but I don't remember them. Um, the only thing of interest was that they, uh, they're in negotiation with Nivana Nivana Films of Canada for the rights to produce a live-action X-Men film. Keep your fingers crossed, people. We may yet give George Lucas a run for his money. I wanted to, yeah, I did read that, and I was like, man, I should do some research, because I'll bet you there's some, there's got to be some production material, don't you think? Like some stills or some, I mean, they didn't probably start shooting or anything, but they probably must have had some concept and maybe some casting figured out. Probably, Maybe, who knows? Anyway, I never did, so... <laughs> Maybe it never got past the talking stage. Well, that's that's probably more than likely what happened. Uh, we <clears throat> received a letter from... Jim Reynolds. Just wanted to say thanks for putting in the work you guys do for your listeners. I listen to Danger Room almost every night. I have problems sleeping, and your subtle humor has been a welcome constant for the last two years. I would argue that I've listened to Danger Room more than any other human. That's your mutant power. <laughs> you that's a triumph or a tragedy. Keep up the great work. Uh, oh, your voice is Kitty. For Kitty has made it seriously made me dislike that character forever. But I wouldn't change a thing. Five stars. Well, uh, well, thank you very much. And um, I would argue that it's not necessarily our subtle humor. It's probably just our boring, droning voices that put him to sleep. <laughs> yeah well yeah probably <laughs> so they're very you, soothing voices that that should actually be like uh uh an advertisement for us 
<laughs> Can't sleep? Put in Danger put, Room. Put Jim Reynolds to sleep. <laughs> can do the same for you. Uh, and that man can't sleep for nothing. Try some danger room. So, no, uh, about the kitty reference, uh, kitty, kitty's not 15 forever, just for a long time. Yeah, eventually we're going to have to come up with a new voice. Um, so hopefully maybe then you'll like the character again. <laughs> yeah. We pull you away and we'll see if we can bring you back. There you go. If you'd like to get a hold of us, and you should, for a number of Why reasons... For example, you could win an issue of X-Men number 164, which is going to feature, I'm going to spoil it right here, Adam, a transformation of Carol Danvers. Oh my God, like you just heard about Carol Danvers. You could win the issue that kind of has the culmination of what she becomes. All you got to do is uh, help us get to 200 likes and everybody that's in the Facebook like pool who's name I can see, will be automatically entered into a drawing to win that issue of the X-Men. So you can do that by going to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Uh, and then there's other ways you can get a hold of us as well. You can email us at danger room at redcapproductions.com. You can go on to the iTunes and type in danger room into the store for the first one that comes up when you type in danger room. You can leave us a review, five stars, some comments, whatever. Uh, or subscribe there. We're available on Twitter. You can visit our website, which has links and episode information at www.xmenpodcast.com. As a matter of fact, you could check out the latest in a, I'm going to say, 10-year project to review all of the <laughs> X-Men video games. I Right now, I'm at one per year, so it's a very slow-moving project, but it's uh, X-Men Mutant. What happened to the one that I'm in? Oh, uh, that that wasn't an X Men video, but that one's out there. That one's on Red Cat Productions. Yeah. Or yeah, it's out there. No, we we, we played the X Men, the Nintendo game. Oh, I beat a level as color. You, you did beat it. Yeah. Well, spoilers. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it was rough. It was tough. I I don't even know what I did. Oh man. Um, because that particular so that was uh, X Men for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and since everybody and their mother has reviewed that game uh, i've i've shelved that one so yeah go check that out that's out on xmenpodcast.com uh, as well and uh you can follow us at danger room go on our twitter feed and you can call us at 501 get x-men i read speaking of uh the the, bro- the brotherhood of evil mutants uh i read uh rom 31 i read rom 31 too they they have a uh they have a, a pretty important appearance here. Um, we get to see. I'm skipping ahead a couple pages. We get to see what happened to the Brotherhood. Uh, they're in some sort of prison vehicle, and they talk about how Avalanche temporarily broke out in in the in that episode of Incredible Hulk, and the Hulk broke his legs, but arms. And they brought him back, or his arms, and they brought him back. And they talk about Avengers annual 10 as well where they originally got captured and now they're being transported to some prison somewhere because they decided it was too uh it was too risky to keep them in wherever they were in the avengers issue it's a vehicle that was designed by tony stark so you know it's full of surprises oh yeah rom shows up and screws up everything yeah, they're for some reason they're using prisoners to shovel the snow so that the car can drive 
this is just a miserable job. <laughs> well, the ti- the tires on this car, they're like five feet in diameter. I mean, telling I me they can't get through some why snow. why prisoners are necessary here. Well, especially as we find out later when Rom, uh, I guess, attacks, basically, the re- the body of the ship can fly. <laughs> so, like, why were they driving <laughs> in the first place? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, well, I guess the flying was like a last minute thing. Hey, we should fly. Yeah. Uh, he says he says like um, that it's it's it hasn't fully been tested or something like that. It's just a last ditch effort in case something ultimately goes wrong and they try to break them out. Hmm. Well, but Rob's not even trying to break them out. He doesn't even know they're there. Basically, a a prisoner gets stuck underneath the wheel, uh, and they're about to run him over, but the the ice is slippery, so they can't even stop the the vehicle. And this guy's gonna get his arm crushed, and Rob jumps in and saves his life and that's when the guys take off in their in their transport jet oh no we're being attacked and they they get out of there destiny's inside and she's like huh i thought we would be rescued sooner hmm well i guess we'll still have to wait (laughs) i'll go back to sleep (laughs) i could use a hard candy (laughs) well rom is trying to figure out what's going on because he's confused He's not from this planet, you know. And uh, one of the inmates there, he's like, we're slaves. And Rom's like, slaves, that's not good. I'll free you. And I'm going to go get those other guys. Uh, yeah, he, he seems to think that Windust Prison is a slave holder area. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to go free all the slaves from the prison, which he doesn't realize is a prison. Right. Uh, we get some details as the prisoners are being escorted to their cells in the prison. We see what looks to be one rogue talking to a uh, the the warden, I suppose. Right. And they keep calling uh, rogue. She's a doctor, like a she's Doctor Kellogg uh, of the some psychiatric thing. Um, and I want to know. Rogue is supposed to be 17 years old, so presumably she looks 17 years old. Now, we find out in a minute here that the warden's being portrayed by Mystique, but how did she fool everybody else into being like, yeah, I'm a doctor? Well, you see, her hair is done differently. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you just so look... she looks older. Everybody's like, you just kind of look like an older 17-year-old. <laughs> or you look like a 17-year-old trying to look older. <laughs> I see, sugar. Uh, the guy who is bringing the prisoners aboard has some sort of special device that he happily hands over to Rogue to look at because she's like, oh, can I see that? And he's like, sure. <laughs> and so she, she's like, haven't y'all heard that the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants was a sextet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that just means six people. Uh, what are you doing? So then she shuts the machine off and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are free. So they plan their escape, and they're they're trying to get out, and that's when Rom shows up, and all the guards are shooting at Rom, and they don't really know what's going on. And uh, uh, this is Rogue's kind of more regular costume, isn't it? Yes. This will be her next costume. So this must take place shortly after the events of the X-Men issue we just read? I believe so, yeah. So we don't really know how Mystique got away from those military police, just that she did? Well, she, uh, when Carol Danvers had her sent away from the MPs, she even had a thought to herself that said, "Ah, she's a shapeshifter, she'll probably escape really easily, but I got work to do. Yeah, good point. 
So <clears throat> the Brotherhood uh, splits out. It's also not only is it uh, a, an introduction to her kind of normal um, costume, but it also kind of shows her taking a leadership role. She's kind of ordering around Blob and Pyro, even though they don't really care for it too much. Yeah, they don't really dig it. But but uh, when she introduces herself, or no, I guess uh, Pyro introduces them, we, my silver friend to Rom, are the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> yeah. And you stand between us and our sole means of escape for Windust Prison. Now, will you step aside, or must I melt you where you stand? And that confuses Rom. He's like, okay, well, you just threatened me, and you called yourself the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's right. kind of dumb. And you just refer so, to those places uh, as a prison. Yeah, so so obviously I've been misled, and darn it, <laughs> I'm going to stop you. Yeah. Boy, I kind of feel felt bad for Rom in this issue. First of all, it's his comic book, but he's hardly featured in it. And secondly, the parts where he is, he's just being duped by criminals poor rom yeah uh so there's a big fight that ensues and uh you know we get to see pyro's flame which for somehow is similar to some galadorian's flame i guess i don't know what that's all about well here's Um, my here's my question now um i understand that when you captured or when when the uh, authorities captured the brotherhood of evil mutants they would have left blob in his costume they would have left Destiny in his cost, her costume, but actually, that's not in canon. They would have Blob should be naked. That's true. Typically, he is right when the, he gets captured. But why would they leave Pyro with his flamethrowers? Because remember, Pyro does not generate power; he just has control over flame. So this Galadorian flame he's feeling—it's just—it's just flamethrower flame that Pyro has control of. Oh, well. Yeah, that was a that was a major insight on Tony Stark's part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, maybe they emptied the jets out of uh, fuel, so there was nothing to produce, and they figured that was good enough. <laughs> Let's just leave mm-hmm. it on him, though. Anyways, and once he was rescued, he he, he refilled it. Rogue jumps in, and uh, well, Rom's using his stupid gun, which I guess hurts them. Yeah, he uses a gun to determine whether or not that they are dire wraiths. Oh. Which is what Rom is hunting. That's the deal with Rom. Okay. There's a whole bunch of humans disguised as diorites, and Rom is hunting them down. Got it. Uh, he that he determines that they are not human. That they are human, uh, and they are also more than human. And he's encountered others like them, the X Men, mutants. And his gun doesn't do them any damage, but it freaks Rogue out. She's like, if that's if. If there's a weapon in his hand, I don't intend to give our silver friend a chance to inflict any damage. So she goes and starts punching Rom, the other brotherhood of evil mutant-ters, are, I guess, trying to make their escape. But Mystique keeps saying, like, I fear that our plan will not go as we anticipate. Which freaks out Avalanche, who decides that even though his arms are broken, he is going to use his power, um, which does not go well, because with his broken arms, he cannot control the avalanches that appear, and they happen to appear underneath Pyro and the Blob, uh, knocking Pyro into Rogue, and therefore unconscious, and knocking Blob into the air, and Rob punches him, realizing that Blob is only unmovable when he is anchored to something. Yep. So, so. Blob goes flying into a wall. The wall collapses on top of him. Uh, Pyro is out. Avalanche is out. So now it's just Rogue, Mystique, and Destiny. And Mystique's like, all right, let's go. 
Rogue flies away. And Rogue's like, what about the others? And Mystique's like, look, man, they can't even fight like a team. We'll get them later. Let's go. Let them brood in prison over what it means to be a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I bet that's what they're going to do. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder we shouldn't just rename ourselves the Sisterhood. <laughs> that, that'll, that'll come in handy soon. <laughs> Rom sees them leaving and, uh, oh, he's like, the one called Mis- The one called Mystique. <laughs> so like the X-Men Nightcrawler, can it be... Even even Ram is in on the, the story. <laughs> Everybody knows. And that's when the real warden comes out and is like, You stupid space knight. Look what you did. I'm and sorry. Somehow Ram <laughs> is able to explain what, exactly what happened. And the warden's like, uh, I get it. I feel bad for you. And Ram's like, I'll go get them back. Well, the warden's like, We just tried to hold the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, but Ram... I doubt there's any way I could hold you against your will, even if I wanted to. So <laughs> I suppose you can go. It's strange that the uh, the the warden he says I've seen some strange things today, metal man. A woman who made herself look like me, another who flew in to join her, a man who hurled fire, another as big as a mountain and one who could move mountains, and an old blind lady who I'm told can see the future. None of that of of that's so strange as you. And uh, how did, did he actually see all of that? I thought I, he was unconscious this whole time. Yeah, good point. So the they go, they clean, Rom's like, I'm going to go get those other guys uh, and I'll try to clean up this mess. But the uh, prison guards, they clean up Pyro and Avalanche and I guess Blob too. Uh, and that's when the ladies find a mansion that Rogue thinks looks familiar, but it's only because it reminds her of, her, her of a place down south. And uh, they and uh, what's her, uh, Destiny starts babbling horror no horror yes no she can't she doesn't quite understand what she's seeing and neither do Mystique and Rogue so they punch their way into the mansion and they see well actually it looks like a Colonel Sanders guy so I'm guessing that this is kind of a recreation of Rogue's southern upbringing just in the winter and yeah, a dire and a dire wraith is walking down the stairs yeah hybrids from that x-men two-parter that i did a while back he was the he was born by a earth woman human but he is a, his father was a dire wraith so he's like a mutant dire wraith gross i don't i don't remember what his powers are but rogue says i think i'm gonna be sick <laughs> blair there you go. That's the that's what's going on with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's true. And now Read we anything else? Now we turn our attention to Dazzler, number Ooh. sixteen. Dazzle me, Jeremy. Uh I'm gonna be honest, I uh skimmed most of this issue. But uh Dazzler is, is being fired. Cover by Bill Shinekowitz. It's a good cover too. I like it. It's not as good as the last cover, but it's still pretty good. The inside art is not that great. It's by uh, Frank Springer here. Uh, the first panel, big, big, full-page spread of Dazzler's cleavage. So you got that for you if, you, if you're into that sort of thing. But she's lamenting that she has been fired from the tour. She's sad about it, but she realizes that it's because Bruce Harris was jealous of her ability. And one of the roadies calls out Bruce and is like, Hey, 
she's bringing people in for you. That's some gratitude. And Bruce is like, well, this is business. I got to look out for my business. So Dazzler's realized all this and she's put all of her all into this. And everybody just loves her. They're screaming Dazzler by the end. And they leave the stage and she gets the chance to tell off Bruce. And she's like, I hope you get a new warm-up act that won't steal your thunder. I hear Alvin and the Chipmunks are looking for work. (laughs) Zing. And that's when she bumps into, uh, what the heck is his name? Um, Ken. Ken. This is the lawyer that defended her a couple of issues ago, and he has got a deliciously red mustache. He affected, he's like the most disgusting looking man ever, but she's, she's fallen for him. He's got like red curly hair and a red mustache and glasses. I mean, he's got the whole package there. My guess is that she's only after the money, but, uh, he's like, I wasn't always a stuffy uh, lawyer. I wanted to see a rock concert. So she takes him back to her back room, uh, where she changes, takes her three panels to change. Uh, I believe oh, the middle. She's, totally, she's like naked in this panel. <laughs> the middle, bottom, middle panel. She's got her underwear on, but she's she's yes, she's got nothing else on. Uh, and I guess Ken is in the other room. They're just having a little, little, little bit, a uh, little bit of a conversation. And, uh, and the, somebody knocks at the door, and it's the rest of the band. So they head out to Danny's Diner, and I think Danny's Diner is the diner that was featured, maybe, maybe in that classic X Men, or maybe not. Wasn't Danny's Diner the diner that was on the campus where that where Jean Grey used to go? Oh, I don't remember. But nah, it, don't no, because they're on the east. In this issue here, they're on the east coast, not the west coast. Oh, 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 oh okay. Yeah. Oh, so you think it was from that classic X Men issue that I that I particularly liked? Yes, but maybe not. Probably not. It just looks like a very similar. The building looks similar, but. Yeah, anyways, uh, Ken's inside, and he's trying to show off to the youngins by juggling things and making a fool out of himself. And then we get a little montage of some uh, 24 hours of bliss that they have in which in the middle, just look at that mustache. You think this hot young woman is like this mid-30s man with his red mustache and red hair? Mm, Got to get me some of that. It's the 80s. (laughs) I don't know. This panel just reminds me of like really, really bad Italian softcore porn, (laughs) especially the mustache. Well, anyways, uh, they have a wonderful time. They get back on their plane to head to the West Coast when Ken's head is turned by a magnificent looking woman. Dazzler's a little jealous, uh, but whatever. They go on the plane. They have a little conversation and... uh, Dazzler's like, well, I'm going to go powder my nose, i.e. she has to go pee. And (laughs) so she goes into the bathroom, and as she's heading there, she notices that same woman. She's like, there's something familiar about that woman, and I didn't see her get on the plane. How weird. So she goes in, the woman drops her glasses, in which that means that she can see through, uh, I guess, the door to watch Dazzler get her lipstick on. And uh, as Dazzler comes out of the bathroom, she is now in Asgard. Whoa. And the Asgard stuff is boring. So I just kind of flipped through it. But the gist of it is this. Uh, Dazzler's confused. Uh, it's the Enchantress this whole time. And she's mad still about that whole singing thing because apparently that was her uh, bidding for omnipotence. And Dazzler getting in her way wrecked her plans. So eventually they end up in the middle of a coliseum where they're fighting and Dazzler is losing. But eventually she 
finds the drummers, the Asgardian dudes who are beating drums, and says, make noise. And so she does, or they do, and she's able to use her light to blind all of Asgard. And that's when eventually Odin shows up and he's like, Enchantress, what the hell's going on here? And Enchantress is like, she stole something from me. She was a better singer, but she cheated. And Odin's like, there's only one way to solve this, a sing-off. Of course. Yeah. So, or Odin, rather, he's like, all right, ladies, do your thing. So Enchantress sings, and everyone's like, that was pretty good, yeah. Dazzler, you're up. She makes makes Volstagg cry. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good. (laughs) So uh, Odin's like, you go, Dazzler, and Dazzler sings and sings and whips in, I guess, the violinist and the, I don't know what that other instrument is, but whatever. Everybody at the end of her conversation out of her performance they're all blowing their noses and even odin looks like he's about to cry it was a (laughs) beautiful song and enchantress like oh my god she's gonna win again perhaps i can use a spell and odin's like no uh nope she won fair and square here's uh, a prize for you it's uh what is it take this mortal as a prize and as recompense for the suffering thou hast i don't know it's an instrument it's like a harp thing. We're sorry we made you suffer. Here's your gift. <laughs> yeah, so they beam her away, and Enchantress is like, oh, she made me look like a fool again. Oh, I'm going to find her, and then I'm going to I'm gonna kill her. But more important matters, call C, Defenders number something, 50? 107. Oh, That's 107. the one I did last month. So there you go. Which we'll pick up from as soon as you're done. Uh, Ken is like, I'm mad because now we're dead the baggage claim and I haven't seen Dazzler. Go check the plane again. And and Dazzler walks up. He's like, you looking for me? And he's like, where the hell have you been? She's like, oh, I've just been around. And he's like, is that a liar? So that's the instrument that she has. And she's like, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. And he's like, what do you mean you don't want to talk about it? You disappeared. And so she kisses him. And apparently that's supposed to make her forget. And then... As she's getting into the cab, she's like, ah, I just need to go use, use the ladies' room. And he's like, no way. I'm going to watch you because I don't trust you. And she's like, boy, some people just can't take a joke. How the heck did she get off the plane? <laughs> well, she was she was beamed from Asgard. Oh, like, poor Ken. He's like, it isn't. I, I was stood outside the bathroom for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> for the entire flight. They made me sit down. And I said you were missing. And they said, there's nobody with that name on the plane. And I said, what? <laughs> and that's when I entered the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Next is the, angel, the angel and the octopus. Do you think, you think that's our angel? <sighs> I hope so. But I doubt it. I haven't looked ahead, though. Um, Yeah. So that was... So, so Defenders 108 features uh the enchantress as well as we left off last issue she was threatening the rest of the team uh the defenders team to go do her duty of uh collecting the rose of purity duty and uh and the uh, defenders debate amongst themselves for a while whether or not it's a good idea whether or not they have the right to uh give enchantress this weird power um and it ends up that Namor, Damon, Hellstrom, Hellcat, and Hulk all go in search of the Rose of Purity, off with Enchantress, and Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Gargoyle, Beast, and Vera all stay behind for uh, unknown reasons at this time. Um, but there's something going on, because Doctor Strange has been communicating with some mysterious person, uh, and he let 
those people that stayed behind with him know about this, but none of the other guys, because he figured they were going to go anyway, because they're, they're all bullheaded. Mm. So it turns out that Enchantress is having a romance with, uh, I, I guess, love itself. Um, somehow she, she took love and embodied it, and now she's dating the body. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. It sounds very weird. Uh, but she needs the Rose of Purity so that she can be made totally pure that, so that she can merge with love. Hmm. So the heroes that are going for the uh, Rose go to this weird uh, planet, plane, whatever you kind of call it. It's, it's pretty uh, psychedelic and all. And they meet this red woman and this giant uh, beastly man, and she plays music and he dances, and that's pretty much their life. And the the rose sits behind them and they worship it. Um, they end up fighting the the dude, and the 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 rose is really upset by the whole thing and starts destroying the world. And the defenders decide, well, obviously this is the wrong thing. We shouldn't take the rose. We don't want to wreck this perfect. Uh, world, so they they decide not to do it, but then they're stuck in that weird planet because Enchantress no longer is going to help them if they're not willing to get the rose, and she can't get it herself because she needs to be around uh, love in order to keep him in that in that physical form. So um, it turns out that love abandons Enchantress anyway because she's kind of selfish and he doesn't, he's not really into that. And he brings Dr. Strange and his small team to battle Enchantress, which they do. Um, I mentioned last issue, there was some complicated storyline with, uh, Barbara Norris and Valkyrie's, uh, spirit being in each other's bodies or something like that. Well, love leaves with the broken spirit of Barbara Norris and becomes one with it. And that leaves Valkyrie free to return to her own body. And at the end of the issue, she's like, I'm going to, you're, you're going to face my vengeance, Enchantress. Yeah. Get him. What? I said, get him. <laughs> so that's that issue. Okay. Well, uh, I read uh, Marvel Team Up number something or other, number 118. Did you? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. I did. I sure did. <laughs> Uh, Marvel team up number 118 leaves off, uh, well, we read 117 last week. Wolverine and Spider-Man, uh, have gone to the mansion and are working out in the danger room, except Spider-Man is really freaking tired. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine yeah, kind of didn't know what he was getting into. Yeah. It's like, I thought we were just going to go over there for pie, but nope. He, uh, he's in for a danger room training session uh, but even Wolverine was like, uh, you know, this would be a lot more fun if the joint were fully operational. It recently got wrecked, but good. We only had some time for makeshift. What the flaming? And that's when the room goes off. And I was wondering, what was that in reference to? Was that in reference to the Sidri or to Kitty still? I'm thinking that's going to go back to the Kitty. I'm, I'm placing this story firmly in Kitty land. <laughs> okay. Uh, around the time of Kitty's fairy tale. Okay. So uh, the whole room shuts down, and Wolverine's like, well, who could have done that? I don't understand. And, uh, well, then Professor X is like, I did it. And by the way, Spider-Man's really freaking tired. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be working out. And if you had better social graces, you'd know that. 
Wolverine's like, oh man. So he pops his claws with Wolverine a pop. He pops his claws with a mighty flicked. <laughs> and then he retracts them with a mighty whack. To which I flicked and whack. <laughs> to which I say, J.M. De, like- J.M. Dematius, who is the writer, clearly did not do his homework. But didn't he snick it last issue? Fwicked. I don't know. <laughs> is that like a, maybe he's been sweating a lot and it's kind of a wet snicked? <laughs> like gross. That's the sound of, yes, wet meat and claws going against them. Uh, and the professor's like, uh, I want you to meet the rest of the X-Men. And so they bring uh, Spider-Man down, which is silly because they're all eating some food and Spider-Man still has his mask on. And he's even holding food in his his hands as well as a mug of like hot cocoa or coffee or something. How is he going to eat or drink that without like, hey, I'm Peter Parker. You don't know who I am. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, I think, yeah, everybody knows who he is. No. Because the professor refers to him as Peter. He does? Where? Oh, wait, that's, that's, uh, no, that's, that's, uh, Colossus. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even <laughs> way early on, like in those mid uh, issues, uh, Professor X is like, I'm only looking at the parts of your mind that don't have to deal with your identity so that we can protect that, which well, is Well, we stupid. determined in one issue that if the, if the X-Men haven't figured out, like, remember when they were all on the plane with Peter Parker and then Spider-Man shows up? Right. That's true. If, if, if the X-Men haven't figured it out from that, they're not worth anything. So maybe the whole world knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but they're like, eh, come on, it's Spider-Man. Let's just let him have his thing. Even the villains are like, you know what? We're not even going to leverage that piece of information. Just let him be. Well, anyways. Everybody knows except for J. Jonah Jameson. That's right. He's the only one not in on the joke. Uh, Kitty's like enamored with Spider-Man. She's like, you're one of my all-time favorite heroes. I've been following your adventures since I was almost born. Which means Spider-Man has been fighting crime for what, like 12, 13 years now? Yeah, I guess so. Does that make he, I mean, does that put him, so he started when he was about 17. Does that put him at about 30 years old? He's in college now, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you can be in college when you're 30. Uh, anyways. Uh, She's exaggerating. She, she It took her at least until she was 10. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Peter, he's like a little jealous. He's like, don't let her wide-eyed worship go to your head, my friend. She also idolizes Sean Cassidy and Brooke Shields. She goes both ways. <laughs> Thanks for the dose of perspective, Colossus. Well, Professor X, he interrupts the jovialness to say, a car is arriving to pick me up because we're going to talk about some foreign affairs. Wheel me to the door, Colossus. Yes, he's going to meet Professor Powers about something. Kitty. Is it Professor, is it Professor Power? I think it's Professor oh, it's just, Power. Yeah, it's Professor Power. Anthony Power. Kitty's like, I don't even need to use a door. And phases through the door to go outside of the house. And then from the outside opens the door. And she's like, what do you think? And the professor's like, you're stupid. Get out of my way. <laughs> the professor's a jerk. <laughs> well, he's got a, it a thousand times before. <laughs> he's got a point. He's like, what are you doing? That there's a total unnecessary use of your powers. And yeah, if the car was coming up and you phased out of the wall, you just blew our secret identities. Well, well the professor should have known what she was doing and stopped him beforehand. Good point. So the car pulls up a little later on. Spider-Man's like, oh, a car. Uh, I'm so freaking tired. I'll just catch a ride on the roof of the car. So he sticks his body to the top of the car and falls asleep. And a lot of people on the road uh, notice that Spider-Man's sleeping. So the professor, after like 
a couple of hours, it seems, decides, oh, I'll just make it so nobody can see, Sp- see Spider-Man. Spider-Man wakes up. I don't up. know why I didn't do this an hour ago, Well, but I just thought of it now. There's going to be a lot of that going on here. But anyway, Spider-Man wakes up and he's like, oh man, my Spidey sense is going off. Maybe I better hang out. So Professor Power comes in, He's or Professor X comes in. He's been scanning, uh, he scanned the driver and he scans Anthony Power. And he's like, something's weird, but well, everything seems okay. Even though something seems weird. And Spider-Man's like, oh my God, that's Anthony Power. He's a living legend. I'm going to go check this out. And his spider sense isn't going off. So everything seems to be on the up and up. And so Professor Power goes into about he's got he's been writing and uh, something about power and democracy and annihilating threats to freedom and going to war. And the professor's like, ultimate freedom can only come from war. I don't understand. And and he's like, I know all about you and your X-Men. And the professor's like, so you do whatever that means. Uh, we should also mention that um, a few Oh, wait, are we there yet? I don't know. Um, when, when the professor first arrived, he says, Oh, yes. The pleasure is all mine, but I must say I was mystified by this in- invitation when my old friend, FBI agent Fred Duncan, Fred Amos Duncan, <laughs> called and told me you wanted to meet. I forgot about that. That's a good point. So this issue takes place prior to the events in 158? I'm guessing yes. Okay. It's, it's possible that it takes place afterwards, but in my in my mind, it takes place... Around 153. Okay, fair enough. And so we find out that the driver, his name is Mr. Fix, and he takes the professor to an adjoining room, and the professor's like, something is terribly wrong. My scan of his powers didn't reveal his knowledge of the X-Men, but how could that fact... Wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, I have many friends in high places. I know all about you and your so-called X-Men. Does that mean like a whole bunch of people in high places know about the X-Men? Maybe like, does the whole government know? <laughs> Maybe Fred Duncan called him and said, "Hey, I want to give you a tip about the professor and his X Men because I know about them." Have you heard of Professor X? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, anyway, Spider Man he's he's nosing around, and finally his Spidey sense goes off, and uh, he opens up a door, and in that room there's a whole bunch of those Centurion guys, and so he fights them. He does, and. That's true. Professor Power comes in, and I guess we finally get uh, the plot of this, where he says, like, my son's unconscious. I need you to wake him up. He went to Vietnam. He came back uh, a vegetable. And uh, So, psionically go in there and fix him. But why, I wonder, was this too blocked from my mental probe, just as the mental imbalance clear in every one of the Power's words was blocked. So, he still can't figure out what's going on. So, he does a mind probe, and he's like, look, I, I can't do this he's he, he he has to come out on his own his mind is torn apart by the horrors of war and uh given time little by little encouraging the healing process but in the end your son's mind must do the work itself and professor power freaks out it's like oh, i knew you'd say that just like the doctors you're lying you have power but you won't use it so i'm going to put you in this bubble and i'm going to use mentello <laughs> Mentella, who apparently was knocked unconscious in Micronauts 25. Oh my god. He used to be a former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who turned his psychic powers against his superiors. What's he doing here? Uh, well, he's still... Mentello's unconscious. Yeah, he's, his powers were burned out. So they're going to put the professor's powers inside of Mentello to wake him up. Yeah. 
how I, I don't know how that works, but apparently Mr. Fix, um, who we shortly learn is the fixer, mm-hmm. uh, was able to do some sort of cool psychic thing. So he figures out that, uh, hmm. He has no time to test the limits of this bubble and those screening devices. He can start pushing those to limits and put them into this madness. So I guess he just uses a lot of power to tell Professor Power not to touch the machine. What? Your thoughts ripped through me with such incredible force. But curse you, I will throw the switch, even if it's my last living act. So the Professor, who's the most powerful brain in the Earth, is being rebuffed by Professor Power. Meh. Well, he the professor's got a bubble around him. All right, good point. So, curse you, fix. He almost broke through the screening field. I thought you said nothing could penetrate it. And that's when Spider show, Man shows up and it says, "You just can't good good help these days." <laughs> well, they also refer to the plot from Captain America two sixty eight one hundred six, where they were trying to create a mind war against the Soviet Union. Oh yeah, for those for those of you who've been listening lately. Professor uh, Power was behind that, I guess. And so Professor Power orders Mr. Fix to go get Spider-Man, but Spider-Man kicks him. <laughs> and uh, the Professor and Mentallo fight on the astral plane, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Uh, the Professor is being uh, bested. He's being arrogant. He's like, I've got... Years of honed ability and power here. That can't compete with your uh, hackneyed control of your power. And Mentello's like, whatever. And he's pretty much taking out the professor. To which the professor at some point is like, oh man, I guess I am being a little cocky here. Yeah. Spider-Man keeps uh, fighting the fixer. Power is leaning over his son being like, soon you'll be fixed. And uh, the Mentello and the professor, they keep fighting. Um... And then the professor is able to overcome, uh, using his perseverance, he overcomes Metallo, knocking him out. With my psi projection destroyed, I can no longer remain conscious, says Mentello. Well, he, this is kind of funny, he says, uh, I can defeat Mentello by forming a telepathic dagger. And by dagger, I mean an arrow. And he shoots the <laughs> arrow through the pterodactyl projection that Mentello has made himself, a sign of his power. <clears throat> yeah, these side battles, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Mentello says what you said. Uh, Danny, I guess, the boy is like, no! So I guess this fight they were doing inside of Danny's brain and the winner was going to fix Danny? Well, no. Well. Um, they, it, it's, 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 I don't know, it's dumb. According to the professor, there can only be one sad explanation. There were still remnants of my psychic yeah. energies in Matthew's mind when Mentalo attacked. So he was Mentalo was in the professor's mind, but because the professor had recently scanned Matthew's mind, he was still somehow connected. His name is not Danny at all. It's Matthew. <laughs> yeah, Danny was the diner. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I'm like three issues behind. Um. So, yeah, this all sounds like a cheesy excuse, and I think the professor just mind-wiped him just because he was mad. And Professor Power's not even like, I will kill you for that. He's like, oh, dear God, what have I done? Uh." Yeah, it just seems very unlikely. I mean, the the Professor Power doesn't buy his story that he couldn't fix him, but he buys this completely ludicrous story. Yeah. I don't know. 
Bad. It's bad ending. Bad ending. Bad ending. <laughs> the cops show up and they're like, what's going on here? Professor uses his powers to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but everything's fine. Uh, and he turns the scene of people laying on the ground to a bunch of boys sitting at a table having some dinner. Cops are like, oh, sorry, we're out of here. <laughs> Spider-Man's kind of confused. Matthew's in the corner. No, 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 no. And that's the end of the issue. So I'll be honest, like uh, 117 to 118 uh, is a marked difference. Like in 117, it seemed to me like Professor Power was bringing on a dawn of a new era. And in this issue, it's just that he wants his son back, which I get, right? I understand, but it's like two different setups. Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) Well, I liked it, but it was weird. The final thing I read and I'll be honest, I just kind of skimmed over it, is The Amazing Spider-Man number 229 entitled Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut, which, interestingly enough, took me a while to figure out, but I actually own this in a trade paperback also called The Sensational Spider-Man, which collects this issue and the next issue. Mm. But it took me a while to realize that. Uh, Because many of the things that happen in this issue I don't care about because it features Madam Web who I know nothing about. Well, <laughs> She's essentially Destiny, but in the Spider-Man universe. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so basically... So Black Tom and Juggernaut come to New York by boat to kidnap Madam Web, who you mentioned, who is a blind precog, much like Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sees the future that they're going to kidnap her, so she calls Spider-Man, who she apparently has some weird relationship with, She's able to find him at, on a, by phone wherever he is, which is kind of nice. And then most of the rest of the issue is Juggernaut walking from the pier underwater to Madam Web's apartment, and Spider-Man attempts to stop her. Yeah. And it's it's pretty funny. The uh, I like I think I like the next issue more than I like this issue, if I'm recalling correctly. I haven't read this issue in probably 15 years or so, maybe even longer, probably longer. Uh, curiously, Juggernaut says that his powers come from the mystic ruby of Sidorak. I don't know if they changed that up. Well, I thought it was that the ruby gave his bands. I thought there was bands and rubies of Sidorak. Oh, so the ruby is not new. I don't. It's just. I just thought everything was by the bands. <laughs> I don't but, know. But uh, Spider-Man is made aware of the of Sidorak, and so he's like, "Well, wait, Doctor Strange knows something about Sidorak." So he goes to find Doctor Strange, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and Wong's like, "He ain't here." Yeah, he wasn't there, so didn't really help. Uh, yep. And so, the, the, uh, aside from the Madam Web stuff, which I don't know anything about, I really do like the Spider-Man Juggernaut fights, uh, and I think that they are actually kind of good nemesises for each other because Spider-Man's so small and agile, and Juggernaut's just so big and powerful. But Spider-Man always seems to be able to defeat him. Juggernaut eventually, after like the military is called out and like they sandbag the area and they bring out the tanks. I mean, it must have taken him forever to get from the ocean to Madam Web's apartment. He's just walking too. He's like casually sauntering. Da, 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 da. But it, to, I mean, to, to, to lay out this sort of army spread looks like it would take a day or two. But uh, it does no good, of course, because it's the Juggernaut. And he keeps, he goes right through those tanks and he goes into Madam Web's apartment. He finds Madam Web and he rips Madam, there's some fighting, but Madam, he rips Madam Web from the, her webbing basically. And she screams. Life support chair. Yeah. And Spider-Man's like, don't you understand what you did? That's her life support. And if she's moved from that, she'll die. And Juggernaut's like, what? What's stupid? I'm out of here. (laughs) Puts her down and then Spider-Man has to call an ambulance. And that's when Spider-Man decides 
this is just like Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy. I'm gonna, and I'm not letting it happen again. And Captain Stacy too. Revenge. Oh yeah, and Captain Stacy too. So he gives her mouth to mouth, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, that was so callous. I'm gonna go get that juggernaut." And this issue is to be continued. Dang! And our last uh, bit of reading for this week. Well, there was a bunch that came out this month. Uh, was Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions number one, uh, a Marvel Comics limited series, which was apparently the first, according according to the letters column or the, the about column, it was the first limited series ever put out by Marvel. But I don't know. That makes me think that it was the first intentional limited series, maybe. I, I yeah. can swear that they have had limited series before. I think this is the first like one in a four issue limited series type deal. Yeah. And they mention a bunch are coming to uh, Hercules, Wolverine, The Vision, and Hawkeye. I might have to read that Wolverine one, I wonder. So I I didn't read this, but it features every hero in the Marvel Universe. Pretty much. I mean, it's it's really quite simple. Um, uh, the heroes are transported to an arena, and they hang out for a little while. And the, then the, the Grandmaster shows up with this mysterious other person, and he says that, they're going to play a game and the heroes have to play and the world is frozen uh, right now while they're away. So the, like, so there's no like villain takeover happening or anything. Oh, so and, this is, uh, this is basically like this, this could be happening at any time. There's yeah. a z- zap from wherever they were to do this. And then at the end of the limited series zapped back, huh? Exactly. Yeah, okay. So um, he's playing for the stakes of, I guess the collector is his brother and is dead. And if he wins, the collector comes back. And uh, if she wins, whoever she is, we don't know yet, um, then the Grandmaster dies. So those are the stakes. Uh, they select their teams. The first, it's interesting that we get, we like the first maybe eight or ten pages is just all the heroes doing hero things, like the Avengers are working out, and they get sucked away. And they all get sucked away with Banff. Oh. Um, some of them are citing f- super villains and they get sucked away. Bamf. Uh, the Fantastic Four are at its uh, charity dinner and they get sucked away. Bamf. Uh, the Alpha Flight is flying back from a mission. Uh, they don't get a Bamf. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, they do get a Bamf. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the X Men are in the danger room, of course. They get a Bamf. Nightcrawler's like, what? <laughs> um, Power Man and Iron Fist. Spider Man. Dazzler, uh, Valkyrie, and uh, Hellcat are watching Dazzler perform, and they all get bamfed away. Uh, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Shauna the She-Devil, K- uh, Kesar, Ooh, Kesar. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange, uh, Devil Slayer, um, Spider-Woman, Machine Man, Hulk, Quasar, some dude with Quasar, some Eternals, I don't know who they are. Uh, Damon Hellstrom, uh, Thor, uh, Red Wolf, <laughs> uh, Sunfire, we hey. know him. Yeah. Uh, the Black Knight and Captain Britain, uh, the Inhumans. Wait, isn't Quicksilver? Yeah, Quicksilver is there. Um, Peregrine? Okay. Uh, Talisman. I think some of these characters are created for this miniseries. Okay. So, I think those are all the ones that we know. There's a bunch more. And they kind of, uh, hang out together, and the hangout scenes are kind of fun. Wolverine sees Elf of Light, and he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Beast and Sasquatch kind of share 
shenanigans. Um, Captain Britain and Shamrock, the Irish superhero, kind of glare at each other. <laughs> uh, Iceman sees Darkstar from the Champions, and he's like, Hey, Darkstar, it's been a long time since I left the Champions. I like your new costume. Thank you, Iceman. I've thought of you fondly. <laughs> there's uh, apparently there's some heat between Shamrock and Captain Britain. Well, he's British and she's Irish. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's it's more about a historical thing. I'm with you. I'm aware of that. Uh, uh Spider uh, <laughs> Peter Rasputin gets asked, uh, "You are Peter Rasputin from the Ust Odinsky Collective Farm in Siberia. Why do you not return and let your powers serve the state, Colossus?" Perhaps I feel I can best serve the motherland by serving the world as an X-Man. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> so there. Spider-Woman and Spider-Man, they're hanging out together. So we meet again, Wallcaller. <laughs> oh, God, you. <laughs> <laughs> you sound horrible. And some other dudes meet. Um, I like the fact that Doctor Strange, Mr. Fantastic, the Professor, and Iron Man all gather together. It's, it's kind of... Uh, preempting the whole secret uh, organization that they form when Michael Bendis starts writing. No, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I forget. They're like the, the secret Avengers or something like ah, that. Sure. I don't know. There's like they're the council that decides things. And it's I think Namor is also on there. But Who's the bald girl that's hanging out with the professor? Oh, yeah. That's, I guess, are they hanging out because they're bald? I don't think <laughs> they've ever met. Well, she's like, She's got mental powers and she's bald. Yeah, she's Moon Dragon. Oh, okay. Uh, she she was a former Avenger, but they kind of kicked her off the team because she was arrogant. So I guess she does have something in common with the professor. Shauna, in the last second to last panel here, she looks like she's topless. <laughs> Ooh, a party. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's when the game master and I guess I'm I'm guessing that that's death. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would, well, no, because we know who death is at this point. So I don't know. You, you, that's what I, my guess too, but, hmm. um, so the teams are, uh, Captain America, Talisman, Dark Star, Wolverine, uh, Captain Britain, Sh- uh, what is that? Sasquatch, who's She-Hulk. The, who's the guy to the left of, uh, uh I'm going to skip the ones who I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Daredevil thing, some dude. Some other dude. And then the other team is Iron Man, some dude, Shamrock Shake, uh, Iron Fist, Storm, uh, Topless Turban, uh, Angel, Sue Storm. Um, Sunfire. Ga- Game of Thrones reject. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Chinese Star Guy and Black Panther. And yes, Sunfire. My money's on the, the team with Thing, Sasquatch, and She-Hulk and Wolverine. Yeah, that's a pretty tough-looking team. The other team looks Someone's like... Got Captain America, he never loses. Yeah. The one other thing of note is that they decided beforehand that it can't be... There can't be any aliens or inhumans or anybody. They have to be humans, but mutants are okay. Um, so it's just like, why do they drag all these people if they weren't going to use half of them? Well, because the cover said featuring every hero ever. <laughs> So, I'm curious. This is this is the first Secret Wars, really. Yep. Curious to see where this is going. I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed this issue. Nothing happened, but <laughs> it was interesting. Well, I'll, I'll I'll carry on with the skimming, but I, I probably will not read this one word for word. <laughs> Fair enough. So, whew, that's a long one there. Um, anything else, Adam? 
Happy New Year 2015. Woo. All right. Well, until next year. I mean, wait, until next time. The danger. <laughs> we should just do an episode a year. <laughs> hey, that would that would be right on par with my video series. Uh, and then I'll just have to figure out 52 different projects. And I just release one episode of whatever that project is per per year. Cool. All right. Until next time, the danger room is closed. Cool.